doing that. Um, not that I want you to take me over your house, though I do. But um, listen, it's really a great way to uh, have fellowship with someone who shared God's Word with you and then hash some things out. Um, I again encourage you, if there's guest speakers, you know, sometimes I don't want it to get to the point where um, there, there's a few of us who know who the guest speaker is so that we as an assembly assume they have to go hang out with their friends after they speak or something like that. We would encourage you again to sign up for any guest speaker that comes here and bring them over your house. You will be blessed to get to know them and start relationships with them. And finally, because this always seems to happen, if for some reason you feel led, I am on the schedule next week. And if you want me and my family over for dinner, my brother and I just switched dates again. So <laughs> just to let you know you won't be having me, you'll be having my brother and his family. So I just want to throw that out there before anything happens. Okay. We are in the mysteries. Um, I, I've been encouraged again to remember just for the simple fact that these have been revealed to us now during this time and not at a time previous should encourage and motivate us to check out what they are. Okay? And also, I am finding again through this study that these mysteries are crucial for the church and during this time frame that they may encourage us and build us up in the faith. Today I have the mystery of lawlessness. Not too nice of a one. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll say this. As this mystery unravels, to me, I remembered uh, myself. Every time there's a new year, I'm always thinking, wow. And I think most of us are like this, right? We go, we're another year older. Uh, my kids are now that much older. We just cleared out tons of toys this week that used to be for my kids because they used to be three and four years old. <laughs> And no longer are those toys applicable. I was thinking of a child and um, how they disobey, really. <laughs> you know, when my children were little at age two and three, um, the problem was still they didn't want to submit to authority, right? That's, that's the basic of the sin. But the sins were something like this. Hey, um, don't touch that outlet or don't run out into the street, right? And really, that was, in some ways, the extent of what they could do. They were not uh, mature enough to sin in other ways. And so the sin itself of disrespecting authority would be the same. But when you have someone who's older, um, if my kids, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, they still might struggle with that sin of not respecting their authority. But now it can play out a lot different, Right. Now there's a maturity process where they can start to do things that really have dire consequences. And they can really mess some things up in their life. The reason I say all that is the mystery of lawlessness is in 2 Thessalonians. We'll talk about it. You know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And even in the days of Noah, again, scary time. Their hearts were desperately uh, wicked and evil was constantly on their minds. And yet... They do not necessarily have the maturity as humans being on this earth to do certain things that we do now. So just simple things like pornography was not around before the Internet. Now, you could say in different ways it was, but not to the extent it is now that we face. Uh, killing people 
again, not things we like to really talk about, but we now have, remember, like the Cold War. Like, hey, guys, I remember sitting in school going, we have the ability to blow up the whole earth now. So that's why this is such a big deal. They did not have that capability thousands of years ago, the human race, so to speak. And so the reason I say that is this unveiling of lawlessness. It's not that sin is necessarily changing. It's actually maturing in some ways. And I mean that in a, not in a mature good way. I mean we have the ability to sin that much more and the effects of it be that uh, much more evil. And so as we look at this in Second Thessalonians, um, it, it can in some ways be depressing, but there's a lot of encouraging things that are going to come from this passage. So let's read in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll read verses 1 through 7. Actually, we'll read verses 1 through... Um, we'll probably read the whole chapter. Yeah. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by the word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who exposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness, some of your Bibles might say the mystery of iniquity, is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed. When the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming, the coming, of law, the, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan and with all power, signs, and lying wonders, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Let's look to the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, again, we thank you that uh, you win that you have uh, victory over death in the grave. Um, as we look at things that are uh, going to happen in our future, that we know uh, at the end of the day you reign. And, Lord, we again just, just want to, uh, for those of us who are saved in this room, we want to corporately say thank you for saving us, that we will not uh, have to suffer uh, the torture of hell, that we will get you in heaven. And so help us not to take our salvation for granted. And during this time, we want you to do a mighty work. Uh, may your spirit control us, that we would listen to what you have to say, that you would prick individual hearts, that corporately we might grow as a body, increase our faith, be honored and glorified. In your name, amen. Today is also corporate prayer. Okay, so that's coming. Those in Thessalonica, we need to have some background here. So remember, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about the rapture, the coming of the Lord. It's pretty cool, um, very encouraging. I remember one of the verses there says, so comfort one another with these words. Then, 2 Thessalonians, what's happened? Well, the church is getting persecuted, and some of the church are saying, hey, 
If we had all these troublesome things happening to us, did we miss the rapture? And we're actually in the judgment that Paul was teaching us about. Is that really what's going on? And they're kind of freaking out going, what's going on? And so this is where in chapter 2 he's going to sit there and say, listen, no, don't be shaken in mind or troubled. The rapture has not come, nor the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is actually the day of judgment. Okay? And so he's saying these things will happen first before um, or right after the rapture. So no, you did not miss it, so to speak. Okay? You did not miss it. Three things are going to happen, this unveiling of lawlessness. So the timeline is the church is raptured. Then the mystery of lawlessness, the mystery of iniquity is being revealed. You will have a great, great apostasy. Then you will have man kind of coming together under one umbrella, almost making themselves like God, following the Antichrist. And then there will be a great delusion sent by the Lord um, that they will uh, simply have rejected the truth and they will actually fall right into place of this worldwide system. Things that are not too pretty. (laughs) But I want to encourage us, one, is just like these guys, you know, sometimes we're like, hey, what's going on? The rapture didn't happen yet, okay? (laughs) I just want to throw that out there. He's still coming. And yet, it says the mystery of lawlessness is at work now. Okay? So this building up, this time frame that we're living in, is unveiling lawlessness. It's building up. And in some ways, this iniquity is maturing to the point which, as soon as the rapture happens, then we have a great apostasy. The Antichrist comes. The whole world gets together. You have the great tribulation. That's where the world goes really, really dark. And again, I am just thankful that God takes the church out before all that stuff happens. There are those who would not say that. Guys, the rapture happens. We're taken out. However, however, it's working now. The mystery of lawlessness, it says, is starting now. And so, we have to be careful what is happening now, and are we buying into the system? Or are we being the church saying, no, we were told this is going to happen, and we are called to be holy and separate. So let's look at the first piece here. Apostasy. That's a cool Christian word. I heard. Quite honestly, I didn't even really know the definition that much. I just want to encourage us, when we hear words like that, you know, let us all be a little humble and go, hey, I have no idea what apostasy is. (laughs) I think sometimes that's good for us, just to admit we have no idea what we're talking about. Okay? And so where it says... Here, the falling away in verse 3, in the original, that's where we get the word apostasy from. It basically means a defection from the truth. It's a falling away from the truth. And in this sense, doctrine. Doctrine. Okay. Has there been a falling away from the truth? (laughs) From doctrine. Please hear me. I am not trying to 
by any means. Um, I like to lift up the church. It's God's chosen people. Um, He is completely uh, in love and excited about the church. But are there those who would call themselves part of the church that are not in the church? Yes. Okay? And so there are huge organizations out there that have left straight doctrine and call themselves church. Happens all the time, guys. (laughs) Happens all the time. And we need to be a people that are weary about that, especially in a world where we say, let's just tolerate everything, let's just all get along. And you see this happen a lot. Well, doesn't God want us to just love each other and we can all just kind of get along? We cannot leave doctrine. (laughs) We cannot. And this is part of uh, another phrase we've heard called sola scriptura, which is basically the teaching that Scripture is the church's only infallible and sufficient rule for deciding issues of faith and practices that involve doctrine. Let me put it in simple terms. Your Bible is the only thing you've got to go on. That's it. And there are many organized places out there that would say no. You use Bible plus. Bible plus traditions that have been passed down. Bible plus God has given special messages to the hierarchy Whoever's in these branches, um, you will read crazy things like, listen, how could God actually trust us Christians with Scripture? That's why we need theologians. And they'll kind of pass it down so we don't all get messed up. Guys, that's apostasy. It's apostasy. People are falling away from doctrine. Anytime we say we can get knowledge about who God is outside of the Bible, or we can figure out how to live life outside of the Bible, you're wrong. You are wrong. And you are part of the mystery of lawlessness which is happening in the world now. People are walking away from the truth. They're walking away from doctrine. And so the thing that should make us a little nervous is, do we even know what doctrine is? (laughs) Do we have any idea? Do you know how many denominations are out there? I shouldn't say no. I know there's two or three that they say right there in their bylaws, whatever you want to call it, we believe that Scripture is good and there's also a few other things that can tell us about who God is. Let me give you some of their arguments for saying we should not have this belief that all we need is the Bible. Here's one of their arguments. You know, if you're left to interpret the Bible by yourself and just the Spirit of God with you, you know what it does? It causes division. Because now you get all a bunch of different views. And in fact, that's where denominations came from. So see, let's forget all that stuff because it just brings about bad things. So let's just not say the Bible's the only source You can't interpret it. You need Bible plus some theologian to tell you how to interpret it. That's apostasy. And it's in the world now. It's in the world. And you know what's scary? Is that it always starts, it goes back to the foundations of our faith, is involved in this theory, is that, listen, we have the answers as man. God can kind of help us we can figure this out on ourselves. That's why it's so scary, guys. 
That's why it's so scary. I'm sorry for always using this illustration. It just makes sense to me where I'm at in life. (laughs) Do we really think the scriptures are set up wrong or is it the people reading them? In other words, just for that one little argument, people saying, listen, well, people interpret scripture all different ways. You can't do it that way. You can't just say the Bible gives you all the truth. And what about all these different views and stuff like that? Is the Bible set up wrong or is it the people? Because first of all, last time I checked, the Bible does say to be unified. (laughs) So when we're not, we're going against the Bible. And there's a whole different discussion there about what we're unified in and things like that. But I like to just bring it down to a very simple level again of my cooking class. It's been a tough year for my sixth graders because they're clueless. They are beyond clueless. They cannot do five ingredient recipes. And there's four people in a group. I don't want to talk bad. Sometimes the kids are like, man, your students are bad. I'm like, maybe I'm speaking too ill of them. But I'm going to say this. Here's what happens in my class. I give them the recipe. I show them how to do it. And then I let them do it. Okay? But there will always be those students who will actually go try and cook something in my class, and guess what they do? They never read the recipe. They never read it. They literally have never made chocolate chip cookies in their life and will not read the recipe and think everything is going to come out right. This is my career. (laughs) This is what I do every day. Okay? And yet, the sad truth is, there are situations in our life where we will debate and argue and talk about differences of points of view, and you've never read the passage. <laughs> I am absolutely amazed. And how many times in my own life I could argue a theological point of view and actually have never looked at it. (laughs) Guys, that's a falling away from doctrine. The Bible's not broke. We are. We are. I'll tell you what else they do. They know what to do, but they refuse to actually obey what I've showed them. Measuring, don't take the illustration too far. In my room, you have to measure perfectly. You have to take a cup of flour, you have to level it off. You don't just get a big humping uh, clump of flour, you have to level it off to make sure you actually have one perfect cup. I don't think it's that hard. I actually tell them you will drop grades if you don't level off. It seems to be the biggest struggle of sixth grade this year. Maybe I'm teaching it wrong. They know exactly what to do and just straight up refuse to do it. Is the Bible the problem or is it us? (laughs) You really think we need someone else to help us interpret it or maybe we just need help obeying it. Maybe that's really the problem. 
Last but not least, I love this one. My students love to just look at what's happening in the other kitchens and copy what they're doing. I have had, and it's hilarious, I have had four different cooking groups all completely, completely mess up. And they will look at each other and continue to do the exact same thing. Fourth teaspoon of salt. Someone gets a fourth cup instead of a fourth teaspoon. They watch and go, get the fourth cup. And I watch, boom, boom, every kitchen dumping a fourth cup of salt in the cookies. The problem is they still eat it, but that's a whole nother, it's a whole nother part of the illustration. Guys, there, you, listen. Yes, we are to imitate each other's faith, but if all you're doing is imitating Christians and you're not actually reading the Bible, you're going to fall away. And, and this is what's crazy about the mystery of lawlessness is that's exactly where the world's going. They're just going to copy each other. And they're going to go back to the fact and say, hey, we can all figure this out without God. And so they'll come together under one system. And the Antichrist will be here doing signs and wonders, and they will be completely confused. Completely confused. John Wesley said, The church is to be judged by the Scriptures, not the Scriptures by the church. I like that. The church is to be judged by the Scriptures, not the Scriptures by the church. It's interesting right now, who is the restrainer? So if you see here in verse... Um, seven, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. I'll tell you right off the bat, there's a lot of interpretations for who the he is. But I think, and I'm convinced, that the he is the Holy Spirit. First of all, if you look there, it says the what and the he, which actually um, the Holy Spirit is um, talked about that way in Scripture as a what and the he. That would give us a clue of why I think this is the Holy Spirit. But um, quite frankly, here's the encouraging part. This mystery of lawlessness is at work, and yet the Holy Spirit is restraining the world from getting too evil. Guys, we always sit there and go, oh my goodness, look at 2017. Look at all these sins that are rampant, and look at how crazy the world is. Do you have any idea what this world would look like without the church here? Do you have any idea what this place that we live in would look like without the Holy Spirit indwelling in us? And we have places like Brantford Bible Chapel that are lights, and of course we don't get it right all the time, and of course we keep sinning, but my goodness, this is a scary place when the church leaves. Guys, that's what's going to happen at the rapture. You are going to have the church and the Holy Spirit gone. And right after that, man just comes together, glorifies himself, has an antichrist, and great judgment comes, and horrible things happen, and they still reject Jesus Christ. Guys, that's me and you. That's, that's our nature, that sinful nature that's what we do when we don't keep ourselves in check by reading God's Word. That's, that's the timeline. That's where all of us will go if we walk away from the faith. Do we get that? 
You are susceptible to that. You are susceptible to thinking that you have all the answers. You are susceptible to thinking, maybe I can read the Bible plus. You are susceptible to think that, you know what? We as humans are smart enough to outsmart God. He was good in the beginning, but we got this now. That's where we go as a human race. This mystery unveiling of lawlessness. That's what's going down the pike, guys. That's what's going down the pike. So the very simple question in all of this is, one, we should be completely encouraged that the Spirit of God is in us and has not left and that the church is here. Guys, great things are happening, right? Great things are happening in the kingdom. As I've been going through this whole thing, I just keep remembering the parable of the wheat and the tares, right? They grow together, right? They grow together, the Bible says, so that you will actually have this mystery of lawlessness, iniquity, just growing right next to God's kingdom growing, right? And God's allowing through his wisdom to let both things happen at once. But once the church is gone, that's a scary place here on earth. The scary place is going to be here. But I praise him that we're gone, and I praise him that right now, the Holy Spirit's restraining some things from happening until the right time. Until the right time. The Antichrist comes. He develops a whole system. He's a financial and political genius. Okay? Can we, as humans, get that bad that we would actually um, follow one person and actually have a one-world leader? Yes, the Bible says so, and you can see it happening even now. Okay, is that that's our human nature to just follow one king? That's not Jesus Christ. That's our human nature, guys. And so that's why when we read these things, we should be encouraged to go, man. Is there any part of me that would line up with that instead of Jesus Christ? Is there any part of me that does that? I'm going to skip around a little bit for sake of time. Um, there also, as it says in here, this whole mystery, there's also, um, they rejected the truth of the gospel, so God sends them a strong delusion. And the words there are interesting. In verse 10 of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, With all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish, because they did not love, they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. They wouldn't do it. Let me say one more thing here about doctrine. Okay, so we don't fall away from it. I just want to encourage us again. When we became saved, we obeyed in faith. So in the beginning here of Second Thessalonians, in chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, In flaming fire take vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who did not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just like a, hey, accept it if you want. It's an obedience issue. Do we see that? I'm not saying we should witness like this, but I'm just saying, can you imagine going up to someone and say, hey, your problem is you're disobeying the gospel. And you need to obey it. That's biblical. <laughs> That's biblical. And when we talk about doctrine, it's always the idea of an authority. Does God's word have authority in our lives? Yes, it does, which means there's an obedience factor. Because if you come out from under that authority, you're disobeying. That's why 
The scripture can say it's an obedience issue for the gospel. Do you submit yourself to the authority of the scripture saying you need to be saved? That's where our gospel started. So we should not ever come out from under that, guys. We obey scripture. It's an obedience thing. So, what does it tell us to do? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. If you read the rest of this book, it's absolutely amazing. I want to encourage us with, how does Paul kind of end the letter? So now he's telling them, hey, the rapture didn't come. This is all the stuff that's going to happen. Again, here's the timeline. What do you do with the information now that you've been told there's an unveiling of iniquity that's going to be happening starting now and it's going to happen until the rapture? Okay. Let's start in um, verse 17 of chapter, I'm sorry, 16 of chapter 2. 16 chapter 2. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So you get this horrible news. The world's going to get really, really evil. It's going to get worse. Antichrist is going to come, but you're going to be raptured. What do you do with that news? He's praying you get established in the Word and you establish your work. In other words, you don't stop. How do I know that? Go keep going with chapter 3. Okay? Chapter 3 and verse 10. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there is some among you, in a dis- there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Hey guys, it's 2017. World's getting a little crazy. Any of you feel like giving up? <laughs> I do. There's times you just feel like giving up. The world, these people are insane the way they think. And you know what? It makes me want to do. I quit. <laughs> I'm going to heaven anyway. <laughs> See you later. That's the attitude sometimes, right? I don't know if you've been there. I've been there. The attitude is to sit and do nothing and say, hey, I got my ticket. <laughs> you guys are insane. And that's exactly what these guys were going to do in 2 Thessalonians. Guys, that was a 2,000-year-old problem. The church says, oh my goodness, hey, we're getting raptured anyway. All this suffering, all this persecution. The world's getting more and more sinful. Hey guys, why don't we just not do nothing? Let's not work. Let's just sit around and wait for Jesus to come. Doesn't that seem godly? Let's not just do our daily living. Let's just hang out. He could be coming tomorrow. Let's just hang out. Guys, Jesus doesn't want us to sit around and wait and do nothing. That's where he says, listen, get to work. Get to work. Guys, if anything, you're obeying the gospel. If you've now been told this is what's happening, it should ignite a fire under us. That because this mystery of lawlessness is coming out in the world and all this is coming, we got to work. We got to work, guys. And may he establish this work in us. May we know our doctrines so that the one in the world Ask us questions. We have the answers. And let us put away sin and not just sit idly and be busybodies and go, hey, this world's crazy. Let's just stay in our homes and do nothing. 
protect our kids and protect our family from all that craziness. Let's just sing a little hymn around the piano and go to bed. That's not the calling. The calling is to get up off your seat and do a work. That's what the calling is. That's what we do in the midst of a world going crazy. We as Christians fight. We fight and we start to study doctrine so it can benefit us. We have answers for people, guys. We have answers for them. God's word will give us the answers. What do you do in a crazy world? I can tell you right now. Let me introduce you to Jesus Christ. Do a work. Don't sit idle in 2017. It is your normal inclination to sit and do nothing. That means you need to pray and ask God to be merciful and help you actually live this out. That's what we need to do, guys. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. He wants to establish you in your work. I'm going to pray and then we can uh, have... Jeff, do you mind us closing us in prayer? Lord Jesus Christ, we pray again, Lord, that there's things I said that were confusing, that uh, there'd be clarity, that you would do a work uh, with your spirit. Clarify these things for us, Lord. There's a lot to study here in this passage. Um, but I also uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for uh, taking the church out. Thank you for saving us. Thank you that... Um, you even give us your scripture. Lord, it would be such um, my first thought to sit back and say, hey, with all this suffering, if you're coming back, I'm just going to sit and do nothing. Uh, and I thank you that you've given us verses that would address that attitude, <laughs> saying we can't. So help us to do a work. Help us to be a people that want to adhere to sound doctrine, that we want to study your word that we think that your word is the authority in our lives. Help us to understand these things. In your name, amen.